So by way of reminder, the Apostle Paul is now, remember, he's on death row. Um, He is about to be martyred um, for his faith, for serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And these are the last written words that we have from the Apostle Paul. And he's writing to Timothy. And remember, Timothy, Paul viewed Timothy as a son in the faith that uh, not only as a father uh, with a son did he view him, but also as a teammate in ministry or, um, or a, a co-laborer in ministry. Paul was super tight with Timothy. They served the Lord um, for many years together. Now Timothy is pastoring the church in Ephesus. Paul is writing, and, and really it's interesting because here he is on death row, and Paul is undergirding Timothy. He is giving him exhortations and instructions um, that are not only crucial for a young pastor, but really for all of our lives as well. We need to tune in um, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, I I mentioned last week, as we look at uh, this section we are in together, um, Paul was writing about future events, the last days, perilous times, dangerous times. Fierce days, demonic days, if you will. We are in those days right now, and they are ramping up with more intensity and more frequency. And we need to allow the Lord to search our hearts this morning, to allow the Word of God to wash over us, to make sure none of this stuff is trending in our lives, that there's none of these things growing in our lives or allowing, or that we are allowing to grow in our lives. In fact, we want to be right in the middle of God's perfect will as we see the Lord's return drawing near. And so let's jump back to verse 1 to get a running start this morning. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. I'm just going to read this first little uh, manageable slice, if you will. So here's what God's Word says. Paul writes, uh, verse 1, chapter 3, But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. They're promised. What are they going to look like? For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power, and from such people turn away. So I want to stop right there and just draw our attention to verse 3. I think we finished uh, maybe half of verse 3, but it says unloving. Some of the things that will mark um, the last days, people in the last days, perilous times come because of perilous people. And so we see unlove, right, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, and then I think we left off without self-control. And so without self-control, people that their behavior, their actions, their words um, are excessive, unrestrained is the idea, uncontrolled, extreme is also the, or undisciplined. Um, when, and remember where we began with this list, the self-centeredness, the love of self. When it's me at the center of, of, of my life, God's not at the center, I will be uncontrolled. I will be, it's all about me. I'll lash out at others, lash out at God, um, become frustrated, 
lose control as well? Because what's the last fruit of the Spirit? Self-control, right? Jesus said, abide in me and you will bear what? Much fruit as you're fresh and current in your relationship with me, drawing from, from my resources, the Lord says, that fruit will be abounding in your life. And you guys know the fruit of the Spirit, yeah? Yeah? <laughs> but the fruit of the Spirit, this is Galatians 5, 22, 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and then last, self-control. And so uh, as believers, we should live self-controlled lives. That, that fruit should be growing and flowing in our lives. Notice what Paul mentions next, brutal. That means not tame. It means savagely violent or fierce is the idea. Haven't things gotten brutal around us? It is ramping. I mean, just look around not only our own city, but around the world, um, things are not getting gooder and gooder, are they? And the only answer is Jesus. We know things are going to get worse. Jesus said the night is coming when no men can work. We know things are going to ramp up, get worse and worse. As we see the Lord's return for us, we need to make sure that we are walking in the Spirit, bearing the fruit of the Spirit. In fact, the fruit of this, one of the fruits of the Spirit is gentleness. That's the opposite of, uh, of brutal. In fact, Jesus said one of his self-descriptions about himself is that he said, I am gentle and lowly in heart. And so as his followers, um, that's something that we should walk in is gentleness uh, as well. And so not brutal, but, but gentle. And then despisers of good is also mentioned there at the end of verse 3. If you have a King James, it says despisers of those that are good. So people that are doing good things, um, Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 5.20, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. And we've arrived, haven't we? Certainly at that, and um, it's, we're certainly in that time. Um, despisers of good speaks of being opposed to goodness and good men, hostile towards those who, who hold biblical standards in their life is kind of the idea also. And that hostility will be ramping up. Um, again, the closer we get to the end of things, that hostility towards believers will continue to grow and to abound. Despisers of good, another fruit of the Spirit is goodness, by the way. And so goodness should be flowing in our lives, not despisers of good, but uh, pursuing those things that are good, uh, to hold fast to those things that are good. Verse 4, traitors. What are traitors? Traitors are those that betray people. In fact, the de one definition is a person who betrays another, a friend, a country, a principle, or a promise. And so the idea is that men will not stick, men and women will not stick to the commitments that they've made. And I look at how sad the divorce rate, how the church has, the divorce rate has grown. This is not picking on divorced people, but uh, listen, unbiblical divorce is wrong. <laughs> And the divorce rate within the church is so tragic, so sad, because people don't want to hang in there. They don't want to endure and trust in God to bring healing and help into that place. Well, we're to, we're to um, keep our vows, amen? 
Didn't Jesus say that? Let your yes be yes and your, your no be no. Faithfulness is also a fruit of the Spirit. Faithfulness is also a fruit of the Spirit. And as believers, as stewards, as stewards of God's stuff, it is required in a steward that they be found, what? Faithful, reliable. We keep our word. And so it goes on. Headstrong means rash or reckless. Self-willed, stubborn is the idea. That's love of self. It's all about me. I'm dug in. And so... If you're headstrong and self-willed, whose will are you not doing? You're not doing God's will. Remember when, uh, remember when Jesus was in the house and his mother and brothers tried to get to him? And they, like, they played telephone, right? They couldn't get to Jesus. They're like, hey, tell him, tell him his family's here. And what did Jesus say? My mom's here, I gotta go. The co-redeemer? Some of you get that later, totally cool. Like, she's not, by the way. She needed a savior just like everyone else. I know the Protestants bash her, the Catholics exalt her. Let's strike a balance. Correct, godly young woman chosen by God to be used in an amazing, miraculous way encountering hostility and persecution from others and hung in there even at the cross where was i telephone what did jesus say who are my who's my mother who are my brothers those who Look at these all around me. These are my brothers and my sisters and my mother and my family. Those who do the will of God. We want to be part of God's family, part of the Lord's family. We need to be doing God's will, not headstrong, uh, self-willed, um, as we see that ramping up all around us. Haughty, it means, King James says high-minded. Um, it means lifted up with pride or blind with conceit. The original Greek, it speaks of smoke. You're like so proud and so puffed up is the idea that you can't see clearly. And so um, it blinds us, pride blinds us, haughtiness blinds us to our condition, doesn't it? In fact, the Proverbs tell us what? Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And so if I'm seeing myself as above others, I'm seeing myself as hot stuff, Eventually, I'm going to fall and possibly be totally wiped out is the idea. But that's going to be ramping up in the last days is haughtiness, high-mindedness, um, conceit. And then how about this? Doesn't that, mark, doesn't that mark our times right now? End of verse 4. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. The love, the love of entertainment, things, stuff, um, Loving the next high rather than loving the most high, Jesus Christ. Loving pleasure. With me at the center, it's all about pleasing me. And look what it says, rather than, instead of being a lover of God. And listen to what uh, John writes in 1 John. It's interesting because he's writing this to the church. Right? He says, do not love the world or the things in the world... If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father 
is not in him. Well, what's the world all about? What's a, can I not love my wife and love my kids and my Fido, you know? He, de- he defines it for us. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But check this out. But he who does the will of God abides forever. So there it is, doing God's will. Listen, God has given us richly all things to enjoy. Didn't we learn that in 1 Timothy? God gives us richly all things to enjoy. Those things that God has blessed you and I with, those possessions or whatever they are, they are not to possess us. They are from him. But he says, enjoy those things, but those things are not to control us. We're not to live for the things, the blessings. And certainly those things are not to supersede or replace a love of God. And that's what that last days will be marked by. Those blessings, those pleasures he gives us should never exceed our love for him. Those things should cause us to love him more. Shouldn't they? The things that bring us pleasure, we should... Man, that double cheeseburger, bacon cheeseburger, Lord, thank you. Not I'm going to live for my belly, you know, and live for stuff. It's, Lord, thank you that you've, ele- you've given me these taste buds to enjoy this. You've given me eyes to, to, to behold the beauty of that killer wave, out, you know, or whatever. Lord, thank you. It's because of you. It, it should cause us to love him more. Not fall in love with the creation, but to love the creator And by the way, all these things come back to the heart. This whole list that we read in verses 1 through 3, it all comes back to the heart. I want to read that real quick. Um, And I'm bringing that up because there is one expert in the heart, and there is one expert in cleansing the heart, and that's Jesus Christ. So if these things are trending, or these things have a foothold in your life, or you're seeing these things going, man, I I can't believe I'm hearing this today. Who called... My house, Who's, how come you're reading my mail, pastor? I'm not, that's the Holy Spirit who loves you because these things are dangerous. Perilous times, dangerous things. These things are a danger to you and a danger to me if we allow these things um, to have a place in our lives. Uh, Jesus said it, listen to what he says. This is in Mark uh, 7. Jesus said, uh, What comes out of a man, that defiles a man. This is uh, 6.20. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. And then Jesus said, all these evil things come from within and defile a man. And listen, only Jesus can come into your life and my life and clean us up. Amen? He wants to do that this morning, to clean you and to clean me. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. Wouldn't you say that's a long list of unrighteousness we just read? And the Lord wants to purify us, cleanse us from those things. It all comes back to our hearts. And then he goes on, check this out, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. These people, there's people, especially in the last days, 
there's no shortage of religion in the last days. People that go to church, they may even carry their Bible with a big smile on their face or on their phone. I don't know, some people like the phone. But there's no change in your life. There's nothing real going on with the Lord. Oh, there's a form, is that what it says? A form of godliness, a shell, a facade, a veneer. There's form, but there's no substance. There's no, let me put it another way, there's no reality. They simulate godliness. There's an outward show of godliness, but really the reality is way different. And in fact, it says, but denying its power. They don't experience God's power in their life. In fact, that word denying means to reject, disregard, or refuse. You're actually refusing the power that God has available to you and to me. <laughs> because it's all a show. That was the Pharisees, wasn't it? They, they, had, they looked righteous, didn't they? Correct? Everybody was like, ooh, ah, oh, look at them pray. Listen to them pray. Look at they're giving all their money. Look at they're giving all that money. Do, do, do. They had people like blowing the horn. And then they had like outfits, right? The supersized tassels swaying in the wind. Wow, look out, look at how righteous they are. Man, look at that robe. And what did Jesus say? Like your your whitewashed tombs. Outwardly, you look great. You have a form of godliness, but inwardly, it's dead man's bones. Man, you're doing all those religious things, which you should do. The problem is you've passed, you've passed by mercy and the love of God. You're doing it all for you. It's all about you. It, and it takes us all the way back to love of self. Self-love. And so... They put on a show but never quite experienced the power of God. Uh, listen, it's interesting to me to note that um, there is power in godliness. L read that again with me. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. What's its? Godliness. Listen, a godly, holy life is a powerful life. There's no denying it. A powerful life. You see someone walking in righteousness, walking in grace and truth like Jesus, it is a powerful life. They're experiencing God's life-transforming power in their life. Have you been changed by the Word of God? If you haven't, listen, if you, if you are someone that's coming here on Sundays, punching in and punching out, you got your smile and your Bible, and this is you this morning, can I encourage you to come to Jesus? Do you know that Jesus loved those Pharisees? He didn't say, I'm done with you, see you later. He even went to their house. Correct? Why? Because he wanted them to experience the change that only he can produce. The Lord wants to change you and I to radically transform our lives. But I have to be, are you willing this morning are you willing to be changed? Are you willing to say, you know what, I'm tired of being this outward shell and not experiencing the power of God in my life? You have to be willing. You have to say, okay, Lord, I'm down. 
I've been a phony. I've been a hip. Jesus called them straight up hypocrites, didn't he? It means, in the Greek, a, a mask wearer on the stage of life. Isn't that interesting? You got your mask over here. You got your mask over there. And it's like, no, John wrote, we need to walk in the light as he is in the light. To be real. To be transparent. To walk in God's wisdom. Listen, to walk in his wisdom is a powerful thing. To do it. To be a doer of the word. If we're not doers of the word, what did James say? We are we're deceived. You're deceiving yourself. Thinking you're right with God. And there's no change in your life. There's no power. You just check in, punch in, and punch out. It will be a huge mark in the last days. There's no reality. There's no, nothing real going on. And so you come to the Lord this morning. But notice the application Paul gives to Timothy. And we have this morning. What does it say? From such people, heavy. Those walking in these things, these characteristics, it's not just outside the church, it's inside the church too. Not, I don't think in this church, I'm hoping not, I'm praying not. To turn away. Turn away means to avoid, to steer clear of. Don't allow them to be your influencers. Bad company corrupts good character, Paul wrote to the Corinthians. That person that you're hanging with, that you're allowing to influence you, begins to rub off on you. Are you with me? Limit your contact with them. Why? Because this is dangerous. Perilous times. It's contagious. But here's the flip side. Good, godly behavior is just as contagious. You start running with those people. Didn't we learn about that already? Back in chapter uh, 2, look at verse 22, 222. Flee also youthful lusts, but do what? What's the positive? Pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace. With who? Who should I be pursuing that? With those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Isn't that beautiful? So is Paul saying here, hey, don't hang out with unbelievers ever? Just have a little holiness huddle out in the wilderness. Get a fence around y'all and shotguns ready for any wackos and weirdos that come your way. People need Jesus. Correct? We are to be, Jesus said, you're salt and you are light. Correct? In a dark world. Let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. We are encouraged throughout the scriptures that we are to make disciples, to preach the gospel. So how do we do it? How do we, how do we keep from allowing these people to be our influencers and to steer us in a wrong direction? I, again, Jesus is always our example. It's contact without contamination. Does that make sense? contact without contamination. In other words, when Jesus hung out with the notorious sinners, he wasn't, he wasn't coming down to their level and partying. He was reaching that down to bring them up, to show them a better way, to go his way, trusting in the Father's will, the Father's plan, going, walking in righteousness and walking in godliness. And what begins to happen? God changes your life and transforms your life. And so, I would say that would be the encouragement this morning, because we're going to run into some 
lost people, are we not? Do you remember when you were lost? I do. And I remember those people that had an influence and an impact on me, and I'm eternally grateful. But they didn't come and hang out with me, and, and you know, they weren't saying, oh, it's gonna be, it'll be way cooler if I come party with you. They were showing me a different life, a holy life, a godly life, and a godly marriage, and a godly home. And I was like, wow, what in the world are they tapped into? I want some of that, because I have no peace and no comfort. Oh, I'm trying to comfort my southern comfort and comfort food and comfort. But our God is a God of all comfort. You're looking for comfort. You're looking for peace. Looking for love. If you're looking, at, looking for those things in the world, you're looking for love in all the wrong places. Because those are only things that Jesus can provide and produce in our lives. And we have the, we have the cure, don't we? We have, we have the answer as Christians for people's eternity. Solution for our jacked up lives is Jesus. <laughs> He's the only one that can fix us and help us and get us going in the right direction. And so am I willing, am I willing to trust him and say, okay, Lord, I'll do it your way. I'll trust in the power of your spirit to help me to do this. And what begins to happen, man, God's wisdom is seen in our lives. Well, these attitudes and actions are gonna infiltrate the church. Look, let's keep reading here. There'll be people like, that plant themselves in the church like tares, by the way. Did you know that? I, let me just confess before you guys this morning, I have zero tolerance for those who come after the week. I have zero tolerance for people that come and try to trip people up and prey upon the weak. In fact, look what it says with me. Check it out. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, as Jannies and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapproved concerning the faith, but they will progress no further for their folly will be manifest to all, as theirs also was. So look at verse 6 for just a second. For of this sort, right? Some of these folks are creeps, right? That's what I titled this message last week, Perilous Times and Creeps. Why do you say that? Because they're just a bunch of weirdos? Well, yeah, but look what it says. They do what? They creep into, they sneak into, they slither into, they weasel their way into people's houses, into your life. And it's not just someone, can I come in? It's claw hand, right? You've just, let, you've just allowed one of these creeps into your house those that you allow to influence you, or me. Let's read, let's read about them. What do they do? 
What, what are they trying to do? They're trying to enslave people. They're trying to bring you captive. And it specifically says of gullible women. Listen, there's some gullible dudes too. Are you with me? No, not me, man. I'm tough. I'm, you know. I can't tell you how, over the years in ministry, how many gullible dudes got ripped off by false teaching. It's so sad. But really, the most susceptible in the family of believers, they're going to be targeted. What does that mean? It's people that don't know their Bibles. You don't know your Bible. How can you say that? Because the Bible is the truth. And when you know the truth so well, you can identify the lies and the falsehood and the deception. And God has given us the Holy Spirit, and part of the Holy Spirit's job in our lives as believers is to to do what? To lead us and guide us into all truth. Something doesn't sound right, what this dude's saying, what I'm watching on the internet, what I'm allowing into my home. It's like, whoa, time out. That doesn't sound right. Guess what? It probably ain't right. You need to, and I need to be Bereans, to test everything, hold fast that which is good. Are you with me still, y'all? Seeing some blank stares here. You are vulnerable to deception when you don't know your Bible. How about that? And so there's going to be some gullible women, gals that are easily persuaded to believe something, to grasp at something. And I don't know if it's talking about the creeps or the gullible women here, maybe both loaded down with sins, just accumulating heaps of sin, led away by various lusts, driven by the flesh, not led by the Spirit, but living after. Can you satisfy the flesh? There's no way. Our flesh is like a forest fire. You don't feed the flesh. You starve it. Correct? It's like my flesh is just as rotten today as the day I got saved. I know if I give my flesh an inch, my flesh wants to go like 10 miles. <laughs> it's like, no, man, crucify, deny the self, take up your cross every day and follow Jesus. That fleshly part of us needs to die, to be denied, to say, no, I know if I go down that trail, I'm going to be in big trouble. You know what I'm saying? And so... What lusts? Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. We just read it, 1 John 2. Always learning. Isn't this interesting? They're always acquiring information. Yet they never arrive at literally the precise and concise knowledge of the truth of God's word. How does that happen? I would say one reason is because there's no application of the word of God in their lives. You know, there are people in the church at large that know a whole lot of stuff, lots of information, but there's no reality in their walk with the Lord. Always learning, oh, I know this, I know that, and I know that, but you don't know the author. Because you can know the book. I mean, didn't the Pharisees know the Bible? They had it memorized. And what would Jesus often say to them? Have you never... Have you never read? 
Of course they read. But when there's pride, what does pride do? Pride blinds us. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble, right? Father, thank you for hiding these things from the wise and the prudent in their own eyes and revealing these things to babes. How can you be always, always learning and never growing and never coming to the knowledge of the truth? It's because your heart. Perhaps there's pride. There's no application in your life. And that's a mark of these people. And notice something else. Now, who's Jannies and Jambres? Who are these two dudes? Paul is naming, remember from Exodus, if you're taking notes, you can check it out later, chapter 7 and 8. Remember when God had Moses come to Pharaoh's court? God says, let my people go. And Moses was with, who was he with? Aaron, that's right. If you go back, some people say it was Moses' staff. You go back, whose staff was it? Moses, Aaron, yes, it was their staff. (laughs) Staff doesn't mean like a secretary, an accountant. Got a stick, (laughs) right? And God told him, throw that thing down, and it becomes a serpent. And what did the magicians do, the, the wizards of Egypt? They did the same thing. They threw down theirs. And what did... Moses and Aaron's rod do, the serpent, sucked them all up and ate them, right? And then the next thing was what? Turn the Nile River into blood. And then the Egyptian magicians, two of them are named here, Jannies and Jambres, they did the same thing. I don't know how, I mean, smoke and mirrors, demonic, I don't know, it doesn't say. They copycat it, they imitated what God did. And then the next, what was the next plague? Anybody remember? Ribbit, ribbit, doesn't make sense. Frogs. Right? Just wave the staff, here come the frogs. I mean, can you imagine frogs? Oh, they're so nasty. It's like, no, they're so cute. And then the Egyptian magicians did their whatever, their tricks. Brought up the frogs also. But then came the dust turning into, starts with L, rhymes with nice, but they weren't nice. Lice. Dust turns into, how nasty is that? Into lice. And then what did the magician say? Sorry, Pharaoh, no can do. This is the finger of God. This is a God thing. But what were they doing? The Egyptian magicians, these wizards, they were resisting trying to stop the freeing, liberating work of God in the people's lives. Isn't that what the creeps are doing? They want to bring people captive to follow them, to follow their little doctrine, their little teaching. Listen, let me just share this with you. Jesus is not into captivity. He's into freedom. If someone is bringing you captive, look out. Because Jesus said, if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. And so, these guys opposed Moses. They set themselves against the liberating work God wanted to do. And it says, likewise, so do these also, the creeps, these perilous men. They come against, they oppose, they withstand. They actively come against the truth that sets people's lives free. And notice what it says about them in verse 8. They're rotten, corrupt minds, evil, morally depraved disapproved, 
concerning the faith. You know what that means? Disapproved concerning the faith. They fail to meet the criteria of a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. They may say they are, but they fail to pass the test of someone that has genuine faith. And that's going to happen in the last days. Are we in the last days? We are. In other words, let me put it another way, they're lost, they're not saved. And they may have a religious veneer. Oh, they may look it. They may even carry their Bible. What did it say earlier? They have a what? Form of godliness. They may even have a huge congregation following them. They may even have lots of likes. Is that what it's called? Likes when they think is really good on something? Social media? Thumbs up? Is that what it is? You can tell how hip I am. Fossil. But wait, they have such a big church. It's so good. Isn't that good? Isn't that, isn't that, doesn't that mean that is a successful church? All those, there's thousands of people there. They got, but isn't that how we judge though? Success? Sadly? And yet the Lord from Genesis to Revelation always has a remnant of those who walk in a real relationship with him. Are you the real deal this morning? Are you genuine? Are we growing? Are we changing? Are we fresh? Are we current with Jesus? Are we getting to know not only the word of God, but the God of the word in a deeper way? Listen, as these things ramp up, more deception is going to be ramping up. More deceivers, more imposters, more phonies. We need to be the real deal to walk in the light. Light exposes darkness, by the way. And so it says that what's going to happen to them. Look at it, it says, their shenanigans will only go so far, verse 9. Their progress will go no further. They're not, you know what that means? They're not going to get away with it. Their folly, what does folly mean? Is, is folly good? Their foolishness will one day be exposed, be made manifest to all as theirs also was. Just like the two Egyptian magicians were exposed as bogus, so these dudes are going to get exposed as well. Listen, to me that brings a lot of comfort. God will ultimately deal with and address these people. They may think they're getting away with it, but guess what? They ain't. They ain't. They're not. Listen, lies always will end in shame. If you're a liar, listen, if you're a liar, what do you have to do? You have to keep remembering your lies, don't you? <laughs> Who did I tell? What did I say? And then you got to double up on your lie, you know what I'm saying? Or you can just tell the truth, be an idiot like me, just tell the truth. <laughs> don't have to worry about it. But ultimately, lies, these lies will be, will end up in shame. God will deal with them. But you, look what it says in verse 10, but you, who's you? Timothy, but you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, 
long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, don't miss this, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Good spot for an amen, isn't it? Isn't that awesome? Think about all that Paul went through. Did Paul go through a lot? Sometimes we say, oh, you know, I wish I had like Paul's ministry. You know, that much of an impact. But I don't want to go through it, Paul. Like, yeah, oh, no, no, no. I don't want to go what, what, what Paul went through. And Paul would say, if Paul could say one thing right now to us, he said, it's worth it. I love this. Look what he says. You have carefully followed, right? Tim, you know what that means? Timothy paid close attention to Paul's example, and what happened? It rubbed off on him. You know what that also means? Paul laid out or laid down a good and godly example for Timothy. Correct? You've carefully followed Look what he says. What does he say? Timothy, you've been right at my side. You've seen these things in my life. And these are things that are part of your life as well. My doctrine. Paul's, what's doctrine? Teaching, instruction, the word of God. What Paul taught about the Lord, the fundamentals of the Christian faith. Paul did not shun to declare the entire counsel of God's word. Paul did not deviate from the truth. Everywhere he went, what did he do? He taught the word of God. Paul did not change the message. Timothy, you followed my doctrine. And I like that, you know, just to consider this, as we consider this, his manner of life. Timothy listened to Paul teach and saw his life. And it was the example of a good, godly minister. Man, is it important to, to do what we're teaching? It is, isn't it? I can't say to you, hey, forgive that person, and I'm holding on to unforgiveness. Correct? Be hospitable, love strangers and foreigners, you guys, y'all. And I'm a jerk to the foreigners that God brings into my life. You know what I'm saying? Paul's like, Timothy, you followed my doctrine and my manner of life, how Paul lived, how Paul treated people, how he conducted himself. Paul lived a life that was consistent with what he taught. It is so important, isn't it? I mean, isn't that important in the home, y'all? If we're telling our kids one thing and doing something different, they, they know, don't they? They can identify baloney. They have a baloney meter. Did you know that? They know whether we're real or not. We're genuine. That's where, the, that's where the rubber meets the road is in our homes, isn't it? Because you can fake people out, out here. But then you get home. And the heat is on. Na, 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 na. Right? 
The heat gets turned up on our faith, and what comes to the surface? The junk, right? And where it gets exposed. And yeah, do we blow, we blow it, correct? Do you guys ever blow it in your house? But then we're genuine. We have to be genuine. Forgive me. I was wrong. Pray for dad. Pray for me, honey. You know God's dealing with me on this issue. And, and there's reality. We choose to forgive. Hey, we need to pray. We, we don't need to talk bad about those people at school or at work. We need to pray for them. We don't join in in the mudslinging. You know what I'm saying? We, 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 we practice what we preach. We walk in it. Paul's saying that to Timothy. You've seen. You witnessed. Here's the direction to go. Not only my manner of life, but what? My purpose. What Paul determined to do, his intentions, his objectives. How, listen, how Paul prioritized his life. Was Jesus number one in his life? No doubt. Right? Do our kids know that? Do our, do our, listen this morning, do our kids know our purpose? Or do they say, Dad, if, your kid, if we asked your kids, what would they say? What's dad's and mom's purpose? Would they say Jesus? Or would they say money? <laughs> Job? You know what I'm saying? Paul's like, Timothy, Paul, father to his son in the faith, you know. You've carefully followed. You know my purpose. What did Paul aim for? What was his purpose? I would say to please Jesus, to love the Lord, to serve the Lord, no matter what came his way, no matter how gnarly things got, no matter how difficult things were, difficult stuff, difficult people, he hung in there. Why? Because we're doing it for Jesus. Because I love him, the one who set me free, the one who's given me a fresh start, the one who's given me life. We're out of time. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this passage and where you have us this morning. And Lord, I pray that we too would um, follow Paul's example and be an example to others as Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ, that we would follow you, Jesus, that our lives would be an example to those around us. And apart from you, we can do nothing. We need you desperately. Forgive us, Lord, for these areas where we're struggling and we need your help. We commit those areas to you this morning and ask for your special touch upon our lives. Thank you for your amazing forgiveness, the amazing work of your spirit. And so would you fill us, Lord, would you fill us afresh that truly out of our hearts would flow rivers of living water, that our lives would be a blessing to others and that we would make an impact and an influence for godliness, for righteousness. We don't want to just have an outward form, but to experience your power. For your strength is made perfect in our weakness, and we recognize, Lord, that we are weak. But it is when we are weak, we're strong because we look to you to your sufficiency, your resources. So help us this day, this week, as we anticipate your near return for us, your bride, that we would make the most of the time we have left. 
God, I pray for my brothers and sisters that if there's some bad influencers in their lives, that they would recognize and turn away to flee, to take off. Thank you for your instruction this morning. Help us to walk in these things, Lord Jesus. And as we're still in an attitude of prayer this morning, as we finish our Bible study, as our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, maybe you've been listening and, and, and you realize that you've never gone beyond just an outward form of religion, an outward form of Christianity. And you've never come to that place of real change, of real life. And Jesus said, unless a man is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And the Lord wants to bring change. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And Jesus is calling you right now to a real relationship. And you need to respond this morning. Jesus loves you. He demonstrated his love for you and me by coming and dying on the cross. For your sins and my sins, he suffered, he died, and was buried and rose again on the third day. His resurrection, his resurrected life demonstrates that everything he said is true. You need to come today. You need to repent today. You come to Jesus. Can I pray with you right now if that's you? Will you raise up your hand? Let me pray with you. you. Just raise up that hand and we'll pray. It's the most important decision you'll ever make. You come just as you are to Jesus. You want it all here this morning. Father, I just, I pray, Lord, um, that there is no one here, Lord, having just a form of godliness, that each and every precious life that you've brought, that you continue to bring, would come to that place of a real, genuine relationship with you, Jesus. I thank you for this family. There is no other family like it, Lord. I'm so grateful. May we truly be your family doing your will, God, and that you would help us to do so trusting in the power of your spirit to please you, to honor you. And so knit us together, cause us to grow in grace and the knowledge of you, Jesus. And it's in your name, your precious and holy name, that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you in Jesus' name.